From Washington, D.C., this is On the Ground. As the world continues to celebrate the life of artist and activist Harry Belafonte, we speak to historian Gerald Horn and get a perspective from the Jamaican diaspora. Harry Belafonte, he represents that generation, that consciousness, that a lot of immigrants from the Caribbean don't necessarily see because either of the generation before Bob Marley. And marches on the streets of D.C. on Earth Day 2023 say it's code red for the planet and that President Biden should tell the truth about his addiction to fossil fuels. Large parts of the world are recognizing that U.S. claims of climate leadership are nothing but propaganda and greenwashing. President Biden is lying to us. And the world is starting to notice. All that and much more coming up. Welcome to On the Ground, onthegroundshow.org, Voices of Resistance from the nation's capital. I'm Esther Ivarum. Nearly 700 people who previously worked as Pentagon officials or as members or or staffers of Congress or at other federal agencies now work for major military contractors, according to a new report published Wednesday by Senator Elizabeth Warren, chair of the Senate Armed Services Subcommittee on Personnel. The report says, quote, the sheer size of America's military budget provides ample and lucrative opportunities for former government officials. Last year, Congress gave the Department of Defense over $851 billion in total funding. Defense is also the largest federal contracting agency, end quote. The report was highlighted at a hearing Wednesday that supported passage of Warren's Department of Defense Ethics and Anti-Corruption Act, which failed passage in 2019 and in 2022. The revolving door between the government and corporations is, quote, widespread in the defense industry, giving at minimum the appearance of corruption and favoritism and potentially increasing the chance that DOD spending results in ineffective weapons and programs, bad deals and waste of taxpayer dollars, end quote, the report said. In Criminal Just Us and Policing, San Francisco's former fire commissioner, Don Carmignani, is being accused of attacking homeless people with bear mace, which can cause extreme pain, blindness, and even death. The explosive allegations were made after Carmignani said he was attacked on April 5th by an unhoused man wielding a tire iron. Then the public defender's office representing the suspect named Garrett Doty found video that appears to show Doty first being attacked by Carmignani with the mace. The public defender's office also circulated a video that has gone viral, which appears to show the former fire commissioner dousing repeatedly a sleeping homeless man at close range with bear mace in 2021. He is also suspected in at least eight other attacks on unhoused individuals. Public defender Clay Hathaway told reporters that Carmignani, quote, has a pattern of spraying and assaulting homeless people, end quote. Washington, D.C., like many cities and towns across the country, is experiencing a steep rise in the unhoused population. 
Despite the growing crisis, the 2024 budget proposed by Mayor Muriel Bowser makes cuts to housing and human service programs that will exacerbate the problem, said a coalition of organizations that rallied outside D.C.'s government offices on Tuesday, April 25th. I spoke to Brittany Ruffin, director of policy and advocacy for one of the groups at the rally, the Washington Legal Clinic for the Homeless. Our main issue with the budget was that there were zero new housing vouchers funded in FY24, which means that once FY24 starts, um, there will be no vouchers to no funding for new vouchers for homeless families and individuals. Meanwhile, the, the mayor has continued to increase encampment clearings. We have a failing rapid rehousing program uh, that people are getting terminated from. Um, and so that, along with the cutting housing and shelter funding for domestic violence um, survivors and making cuts to the um, emergency rental assistance program that I just mentioned, altogether, th- these are detrimental that have a, a big impact on D.C. residents. So that leaves zero for anyone experiencing homelessness, anybody experiencing street homelessness, anyone, you know, being forced from an encampment, where they, where, where else can people go? So people who are in the shelter, that means that there's no pipeline for people to leave shelter for permanent housing. That means people who are getting terminated from rapid rehousing program um, that normally would have a pipeline for more permanent housing, they don't have that. And so you see a cycle of homelessness, people coming out of some short-term programs, going back into the shelters and or back into street homelessness. As part of the annual budget cycle, now the organizations will turn to the D.C. Council to get the funds needed to assist the unhoused restored to the district's budget. Councilwoman Janice Lewis-George was among those addressing the crowd in front of the Wilson Building, and she responded to a statement from the mayor's office that the budget is a result of, quote-unquote, tough choices. A tough choice is choosing whether you can give your children enough food every day for the rest of the month on SNAP benefits that are insufficient in this economy. You know what is a tough choice? A tough choice is our principals having to decide between whether they're going to have a psychologist, a school counselor, a school social worker, or ELL support worker for the children in their schools. You know it is a tough choice? Choosing every single day to keep fighting despite people evicting our residents from encampments, not having vouchers, not having the support they need, and then being hopeless as to how they're going to make it another day in this city, how they are going to live life. That's the choice many people are making. And finally, in culture and media, the documentary series The War on Cuba, which gives an inside look at the effects of the U.S. economic blockade and sanctions on the Cuban people, is on a mini tour on the East Coast of the United States with Cuban journalist Liz Oliva Fernandez, a presenter with the media company Belly of the Beast. As we go to broadcast, there's one more opportunity to meet Fernandez at the Latin America and Caribbean Policy Forum at American University on Saturday, April 29th at 10 a.m. You can see the complete series at bellyofthebeast.com. Here's a clip from the first episode of The War on Cuba. The blockade is the longest trade embargo in modern history. 
It isn't motivated by concerns about human rights. It's about money and power. Until 1959, Cuba was like a U.S. colony. Our economy was controlled by U.S. companies, corrupt politicians, and the mafia. After the revolution, Cuba nationalized the U.S. companies. We claim our sovereignty, our right to govern ourselves. The government gave basic rights to the majority. Women, black people, campesinos, the working class. The blockade was retaliation. It's basically a form of economic warfare. The blockade stops Cuba from doing business with the United States. They can't buy our stuff and we can't buy theirs. And we can pay for things because banks won't lend us money or even let us open accounts. The blockade also stops Cuba from doing business with other countries. That's not all. The blockade also locks us up of a big part of the internet. The April 29th forum here in D.C. is called In Search of a New U.S. Policy for a Latin America, bearing 200 years of the Monroe Doctrine and is sponsored by Code Pink Women for Peace. The forum will be the space to discuss and analyze the current political situation in Latin America and the imperative of framing a new U.S. policy for the 20th century that will improve relations with the regional community. You can register at americaspolicyforum.org. That's americaspolicyforum.org. And there is online viewing and attendance at the forum. And finally, some will be celebrating May Day one day early here in D.C. on Sunday, April 30th from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. There is an International Workers' Day Festival at Bruce Monroe Community Park on Georgia Avenue in Northwest D.C. And on May Day, International Workers' Day in D.C., there will be a TPS for Central America rally in front of the White House in Lafayette Square Park at 11.30 a.m. And then those rallying will march to Capitol Hill all for the protective status of people from Central America and to celebrate all workers and demand dignity, humane treatment, and fair pay in every workplace. And those are headlines and happenings. Stay with us. calling out and every day you can hear her shout coconut woman is calling out and every day you can hear her shout get your coconut water man it's good for your daughter coca got a lot of iron make you strong like a lion a lady tell me the other day no one can take a sweet man away. I asked her what was the mystery. She said, coconut water and a rice curry. You can cook it in a pot. You can serve it very hot. Coca got a lot of iron. Make you strong like a lion. Coca! Coconut woman 
says you'll agree Coconut make very nice candy The thing that's best if you're feeling glum Is coconut water with a little rum It could make you very tipsy Make you feel like a gypsy Coca got a lot of iron Make you strong like a lion This is On the Ground, onthegroundshow.org, Voices of Resistance from the nation's capital. I'm Esther Averam, and now I'm joined by our geopolitical analyst, Professor Gerald Horn. Welcome to the show, Gerald. Thank you. So I'll just leave this first question wide open. You know, I just want to get your reaction to the passing of Harry Belafonte. Well, a mighty oak, a mighty sequoia has fallen, and with him has fallen an entire era. What I mean by that is Harry Belafonte was that rare celebrity, that rare individual in the public eye who openly talked about being influenced by Paul Robeson, a man whose 125th birthday we just marked a few days ago. Paul Robeson being the tallest tree in our forest, actor, activist, artist who, as you know, was also a devotee of the cause of socialism and anti-imperialism and anti-colonialism. Harry Belafonte, in his youth in New York, was mentored by Paul Robeson, along with uh, Harry's close comrade, the late uh, award-winning actor and director, speaking of Sidney Poitier, And with the death of these two men, as noted, you see the eclipsing of an entire era because it is a rare celebrity today who acknowledges being influenced by an anti-imperialist. It's a Mm -hmm. rare celebrity today who acknowledges being influenced by a man such as Paul Robeson, uh, who was close to the Communist Party and who was close to anti-imperialist movements worldwide. And Harry Belafonte also brought that ethos to the anti-Jim Crow movement. Recall that he was a close advisor to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. For those who are wondering how Dr. King in his 20s and 30s was able to zip around the country and indeed around the world, you probably need look no further than Harry Belafonte's check stubs, because he was a major donor uh, to Dr. King's cause, to Dr. King's movement. And we mark the passing of Harry Belafonte also because he was a significant artist. He contributed mightily to the musical tradition through helping to popularize Calypso in particular on these shores. He was also an actor of note, a producer of note. I think of his film, Buck and the Preacher, with his good friend, the aforementioned Sidney Poitier, which sought to present a new vision and a new version of the late 19th century history of what used to be called the Old West. I think of his movies such as Kansas City. I think of his movies such as Odds Against Tomorrow. So Harry Belafonte was a giant in every respect, and he will be sorely missed. Absolutely. 
And this coming so close to our recent celebration for Paul Robeson's birthday, I was looking through the schedule for the Paul Robeson House in Philadelphia, and Harry Belafonte was actually scheduled to appear at the gala on April 15th, but his daughter attended in his stead, and she was very emotional, addressing the crowd, telling everyone about how much Paul Robeson meant to her father. And at at that point, she obviously knew that, you know, he was very ill and that, you know, he maybe didn't have many days left. But also uh, preparing for this hour, I listened to his speech given at the 50th anniversary of SNCC, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, which he was also a big supporter of in terms of financial support and what he could give of other types of support in terms of his celebrity status and just making sure that the wider world knew that these young people had support from people like him. But listening to the speech at the very end, it occurred to me, this is in 2010, it's two years into the Obama administration, And then I remembered that he, along with, I think, others, perhaps at that time, like uh, Cornel West, they were ardent critics of the Obama administration. And so his stance against imperialism and other forms of neocolonialism, it didn't, he didn't flinch when we got our first black president. That is true. And he paid a stiff and heavy price. I'm not sure if the FBI files on Harry Belafonte have been released pursuant to the Freedom of Information Act, but if they have not been released, certainly someone should apply to make sure that happens, because I think that high on the agenda for scholars should be a comprehensive biography of Harry Belafonte. Of course, we have his memoir which is quite informative. It leaves a lot of clues for a future biographer. And when that biographer tackles this mighty topic, I'm sure the biographer will include sentences, paragraphs even, on his relationship with the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, SNCC, the shock troops of the anti-Jim Crow movement. Harry Belafonte dug into his own pocket and financed a trip to West Africa of a number of SNCC leaders so that they could receive a direct exposure to anti-imperialism, anti-colonialism, not to mention the ancestral homeland. This is the sort of man, this is the sort of individual that Harold Belafonte was. And once again, we need other Harold Belafontes to arrive. Now, arise. now certainly, The great Danny Glover is seeking to walk in Mr. Belafonte's gigantic footsteps. Danny Glover being a celebrity of significant renown. But we need other Danny Glovers to arise in (laughs) this fraught moment that we are now confronting. Okay. Well, we are definitely going to uh, stay on top of paying tribute to Harry Belafonte and it just comes right on the heels of our celebration of Paul Robeson's 125th birthday so I was thinking about this is just a season of our honoring these you know mighty freedom fighters that have done so much for our community and so anyway thank you for joining me today I've been speaking with 
our geopolitical analyst, uh, Professor Gerald Horn. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, I believe you jump in the line. Okay, I believe you jump in the line. Okay, I believe you jump in the line. Shake, 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 Sinora, shake your body line. Whoop. Shake, 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 Sinora, shake it all the time. Work, 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 Sinora, work your body line. Work, 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 Sinora, work it all the time. Can talk about cha-cha, tango waltz, or the rumba. Sinora's dance has no title. You jump in the saddle, hold on to the bridle. Jump in the line, rock your body and time. Okay, I believe you jump in the line, rock your body. Rock your body, child. Jump in the line, rock your body and time. Somebody help me. Jump in the line, rock your body and time. Oh. Shake, 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 Sinora, shake your body line. Shake, 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 Sinora, shake it all the time. Work, 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 Sinora, work your body line. Yeah. Work, 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 Sinora, work it all the time. So to get another perspective on the passing of Harry Belafonte, I'm speaking to Michael Byfield, active member of Jam Link, which is a diaspora organization of of Jamaicans around the globe, and also a member of the United Negro Improvement Association branch based here in Washington, D.C. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you. Well, you know, when I spoke to Gerald Horn, he commented on the fact that Belafonte represented almost the last mighty tree to fall in that generation of freedom fighters, uh, along with Sidney Poitier and, and other artists who were not afraid to link their celebrity status uh, for the cause of, of, of African freedom. And, but I'm thinking that on a personal level for many of us, it's also the passing of our parents' generation that lived through Jim Crow and lived to see that extreme terror and like apartheid cease. And, you know, in cases like Belafonte, uh, some actually fought to tear down those walls. Belafonte was born in Harlem as the child of Jamaican immigrants. And I know that you're an immigrant from Jamaica and whose parents were also uh, immigrants uh, from the island. So I'm wondering, you know, how is Belafonte's legacy and passing being viewed by Jamaican immigrants here in the U.S. or in other parts of the diaspora? There are two kinds of immigrants, and most immigrants are known to be hard workers and really just trying to get ahead, to get a good job, and to provide for their family. But then there are those that are of the progressive elk that are more conscious of the struggle against imperialism, the struggle for global unification among African peoples, Somewhat what Bob Marley talks about it in, in a lot of his music. But Harry Belafonte, he represents that generation, that consciousness that a lot of immigrants from the Caribbean don't necessarily see because either of the generation before Bob Marley that really brings that and makes the link to the global diaspora and just being that kind that figure here in the Americas. That, that ties all of that together, pretty much like the Paul Robeson was in this country. Now, to a lot of us who are really conscious and consider ourselves progressive, he 
is that person, the, the person that would identify a Colin Powell, who a lot of Jamaicans would glorify because he was selected by a U.S. administration or, or a uh, Susan Rice, where on a lot of our, uh, our chats within the diaspora, which is globally over 190,000 Jamaicans, would, would praise those nominations. And a lot of the conversation was, no, these people represent the imperial domination that is set by the United States ad- administration. Harabel Fonse represents and epitomizes that voice that says, Yes, those people are not the people that represent our struggle. And he is, is our idol because of that and articulates that in, in probably the clearest voice that any Caribbean person can identify with. I know uh, earlier this week when I was uh, picking out some of his songs to play, uh, so many of them kind of evoked uh, Jamaican life. I remember one playing one where, you know, he talked about the woman cutting cane and then he talked about the smell of ackee and saltfish. And I said, wow, you know, I never really listened that closely to hear that he was really uh, painting a picture to create a, more of an indigenous portrait of life in Jamaica as opposed to kind of like how a a tourist might see the island in a very stereotypical way. But I'm wondering about the class differences. You know, he talked about his his parents were being very working class people, people who had known poverty. And so in addition to the maybe the nationalistic uh, elements or the African diaspora, How did he speak to the differences in terms of poor people, working people in Jamaica, and like, you know, perhaps the wealthier elite? In his music, he is identifying with the struggle of working farmers, and and you hear it. Work all night and I drink a rum. We like come and we want go. Stack banana till the morning come. We like come and we want go home. Come, Mr. Tallyman, tally me banana. We like come and we want go home. Come, Mr. Tallyman, tally me banana. We like come and and identify with it right away. Uh, I know myself, my grandfather was a banana farmer. And when you listen to it, what he's saying, he clearly uh, articulates a lot of the, the songs that talks about that. And you know that you can only know those things if you've been in the field, if you've been around those people that, were, that actually did that type of work. That's an era that maybe 20, 30, 40 years that when past, in fact, I experienced that just peripherally as not even a teenager at an earlier age, uh, you know, eight, nine, ten, maybe eleven, twelve year, years old, and and then through just uh, listening to to my parents talk about that. But Harry Belafonte really brought that to light and gave a lot of people, not just from Jamaica but from the Caribbean, the type of pride in 
that type of struggle and, and, and just being uh, lifted them up as working as working class people you know, within within the, the Caribbean diaspora, I'll say. And I suppose also he's known for popularizing the culture of the Caribbean too, not just the the depictions of the everyday working people, but I'm thinking about when I gravitated toward the jump the line <laughs> record and I could really envision that this is coming out like before I was born in the 60s but you know like envisioning that as like a real 1950s hit where you know people are having a good time and you know maybe learning some new dances here imported from the Caribbean but um, did you have a sense from your parents just the impact that that had on them seeing their culture go kind of go global Absolutely. And in my own opinion, I sort of see him as one of the greatest crossover artists that that we've had in the Caribbean. There are a lot of Calypsonians that, like the Mighty Sparrow, that is authentic Calypsonian, uh, uh, even though he's not from Trinidad, but, but, you know, but a Calypso king. Harry is one of the earlier Caribbean Jamaican artists, uh, for that matter, that that had the wide crossover appeal and was able to really put us on a map long before Bob Marley. And um, maybe today's youngest generation probably doesn't even realize that, uh, that he is the artist that came before that really put us on the map. A lot of us, again, I, I go back to Progressive, that really idolized him because he never gave in to to the whims of of all of the accolades that was given to him in terms of selling out to the capitalist superstructure or the capitalist mo- empire. And, and that really gave us a lot of pride of, of someone to point to, someone to identify with, someone to, to, to model yourself after. Right. You know, I'm thinking, I think, didn't you tell me that he had called Colin Powell Uncle Tom? And 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 also, uh, I think he called George Bush a terrorist. Uh, oh yes, um, and, and and you know when he did that, that was in the middle of cutting down the notion that a lot of particularly Jamaicans that that are in the diaspora, that are in the Americas, that are in the United States and, and can't, uh, let me just say North America, to say he is not a hero. What he did at the UN and what he did. You're talking about Colin Powell. Colin Powell. He is not a hero. What Susan Rice is doing, they are not heroes. And for him to stand up and, and say that on a global stage without any regrets was just very uplifting for, for progressive and conscious people from not just the Caribbean, I know from people all over the, uh, the global south. Okay. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you. Shake, 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 Sinora. Shake your body line. Work, 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 Sinora. Work it all the time. Dance, 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 Sinora. Dance it all the time. Work, 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 Sinora. Work it all the time. Sinora dances Calypso. Left to right is the tempo, and when she gets the sensation, she go up in the air, come down in slow motion. Jump in the line, rock your body and time. Okay, I believe you, jump in the line, rock your body and time. Somebody help me! 
Jump in the line, cock your body and time. Okay, I believe you. Jump in the line, cock your body and time. Oh. Shake, 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 Sinora. Shake your body line. Shake, 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 Sinora. Shake it all the time. Work, 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 Sinora. This is On the Ground, onthegroundshow.org, Voices of Resistance from the Nation's Capital. I'm Esther Averam. Well, marchers on the streets of D.C. on Earth Day 2023 said that it is code red for the planet and that President Biden should tell the truth about his addiction to fossil fuels. With y'all today, again, my name is Beta. I work as a climate justice organizer at the Center for Popular Democracy. Shout out to our 200 plus members here from Make the Road New York. Churches United for Fair Housing. Center for Coalfield Justice. Thank you all. We're a network of um, spaces, spaces. I knew I was forgetting the most important. Um, we're, we're a network of grassroots organizations working across the country to build unstoppable, unstoppable power um, in our communities. We are led by and with working class people and BIPOC communities across the country. I'm happy to be here today, but I'm not happy for why. Just this past Thursday, on the same day that the Green New Deal was reintroduced by the members of Congress, Antonio Guterres, who is the United Nations Secretary General, published a letter to his great-granddaughter to be opened in the year 2100. And in that letter he said, I write to you as humanity is losing the fight for our lives, the battle against climate change. But we already know, we already know what awaits us because we're living it today. We know because our indigenous brothers and sisters tell us of the indigenous women who go missing, hundreds of indigenous women missing along the roots of pipelines that are being built. We know because we are the ones who rebuild our communities every time there's a storm, every time there's a flood, every time there's a wildfire. We know because it's our water that we can't drink when trains explode and oil spills. So these, that's right, we know because on the hottest days, it's our friends and family who have to work outside, tell us they cannot breathe. So this is not anything that is new to us. This is just a preview of the world that we will inherit if Joe Biden does not do something about it and make an immediate plan to end our reliance on fossil fuels. So this message is for Joe Biden. You and only you, Biden, as the leader of the United States, can do something about it. Will your legacy be one that reminds us of a chance that we had and we didn't take? Or will your legacy remind us of bravery in the face of a murderous greed from the fossil fuel industry? You, Joe Biden, and the United Nations Secretary General will be long gone when our great-grandchildren open that letter. Will they be grieving what we lost? Or will they be celebrating our courage? So this one's on you, Joe Biden. 
los fósiles. Thank you, Center for Popular Democracy. As we all know, dating back to the Civil Rights Movement, there is no movement without music, art, and culture. In that regard, I want to introduce you to DC's finest, who has been with Spaces in Action and many other movements throughout the years I present to some and introduce to others too much talent band So, 
I just want to say, first of all, it's raining, and it is so good that it is raining. Right? Water is life, and we have so many communities right now who are facing drought, including all across the West right now. So thank goodness it's raining in D.C. This is a good omen for today. So I'm going to be real with everybody here, and let's, let's concentrate on the story that we are all a part of. Everyone here is a part of this incredible story that we're about to win. We're in trouble. We've actually heard a lot today how bad we're in trouble. President Biden promised, and we elected him, because he said that he would ban fossil fuels. He actually said that. And that was amazing, and that's a huge win. But actually, last month, he said yes to one of the biggest carbon bombs on the planet, which was an electric project. Boom! And just last week, he approved an even bigger carbon bomb, 10 times the size of that in Alaska as well. Boom! And just, yes, the day before yesterday, our Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, it's a really boring name, FERC rubber-stamped three more liquefied natural gas plants in the Gulf South, which is at the heart of Cancer Alley. Boom. So we're in trouble, everyone. We're in big trouble. But here's the good news. The good news is that President Biden has all the tools right now to actually turn this ship around. He, woo, that's he can declare a climate emergency and stop all new fossil fuel approvals. That's right. He can actually revoke Willow and start our new just clean energy transition. We don't want the same utilities. We want community energy and storage and affordable, resilient rooftop solar. That's a beautiful, beautiful future. And President Biden actually has the powers to do that. I'm an attorney. We've written about it. He can do it. So here's, woo! That's right. So here's the other good news with everything. I want you to turn next to your friend, your mom, your sister. That's right, all of you amazing ladies right here who are 14 years old. Turn to them and say, who's got the power? We got the power. Who's got the power? We got the power. Who's got the power? We got the power. I'll tell you what, every year I go to the COP, COP, it's a climate change conference internationally, and every year we talk to mothers who have lost their children to drought. We talk to fathers and children who have lost siblings in hurricanes because of climate. What they say to us? You're so lucky to be in the United States because the United States is the number one oil and gas producer in the world which means that you have the power to actually change the course of this world. I know we all feel really disempowered in a lot of ways, and the, just this last month we all feel it, that we're losing. But we also have votes. We have democracy. We are the only people in the world who can control the largest oil and gas producer in this world. So it's up to us to save this planet. Are you with me? Who has the power? Who has the power? Who has the power? All right, so I want you to take your, your cell phones. We have got an amazing mobilization ahead of us. In June, we're going to roll out. And in September, the UN Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, has actually asked all world leaders to come to his climate summit in New York City. So just a couple of hours. 
And he's saying he's only allowing in world leaders who will say no to new fossil fuel development. That's amazing. So we're going to show up and support Antonio Guterres and get Biden through that door to say no more fossil fuels. So I want you to take your cell phones out. Go to www.earthday backslash pledge and sign up. Get on a bus with us. Take a train. Ride your bikes. And we're going to mobilize on the streets for New York. Are you with me? All right. What do we want? Climate justice. When do we want it? Now. What do we want? Climate justice. When do we want it? Now. Woo! Thank you. And let's give it up again for Jean Sue, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Basab Sin. Hi, everyone. It's so good to see all your faces out here today. So I want to tell you a little bit about myself because it's extremely relevant to why we are here today. I was born halfway across the world in India. And right now, even as we stand here, India and the South Asian subcontinent are going through a horrific, unseasonable springtime heat wave for the second year in succession. These are unlivable temperatures, especially for the poorest and most vulnerable people. The construction workers, the farm workers, and the unhoused. And this is part of the international impact of the continuation of the fossil fuel economy. In the United States and who are major producers of fossil fuel, the United States alone produces something between 20 and 25 percent of the world's oil and gas. What do we think of that? Exactly. The U.S. addiction to fossil fuels and the recklessness with which the U.S. is expanding its fossil fuel industry and trying to sell its poisons all over the world. That's right. The U.S. is also a major exporter of fossil fuels. This recklessness of the United States is an international human rights scandal. And the way in which the U.S. turns communities in this country, black and brown and indigenous and low-income communities in particular, into sacrifice zones is an international human rights scandal. 
and I want to follow up a little bit on what we heard from our last speaker, my amazing comrade, Jean Su. So, just on Thursday, President Biden hosted something called the Major Economies Summit, which convened a number of the world's most wealthy and powerful countries, and they made all kinds of greenwashing claims about how they are leading the fight for climate solutions. One of the invited speakers who was none other than UN Secretary Antonio Guterres. He did not buy the greenwashing. Without mentioning the United States by name, he said very clearly that countries who are major producers of fossil fuels need to reverse course right now. They need to start cutting back on their fossil fuel production right now. In other words, large parts of the world are recognizing that U.S. claims of climate leadership are nothing but propaganda and greenwashing. President Biden is lying to us. And the world is starting to notice. So, our message to President Biden is, your game of greenwashing and lying to us is over. We have noticed that, and we will stop you and force you to reverse course, whether you like it or not. Are you angry? Great. Anger is a very constructive emotion. So I want to follow up on what Jean said. Please sign up to join our hot summer of action to finally compel President Biden to live up to his promises. And on those lines, I do want to tell you that there are many different ways to be involved in action. We would love for you to shut down government buildings. But if that's not your thing, you can always help amplify the actions of those who shut down government buildings. You can, you know, amplify it on social media or traditional media. You can help with the logistics of the organizing. So do not feel intimidated by participating in direct action. There are many different ways for you to plug in. So I just want to leave you with this thought. Get involved because the era of fossil fuels is over we declare it over thank you those were voices at the earth day and fossil fuels rally held on Freedom Plaza in Northwest D.C. And then the marchers went to Capitol Hill with their End the Era of Fossil Fuels banner and much artwork and with their creative nonviolent protest. And that will do it for today's show. I want to thank again Michael Byfield and the prolific author Gerald Horn for joining me today. And... Pacifica Radio looks forward to hosting Gerald Horn here in D.C. on June 3rd 
for the release of his next book, Revolting Capital, Racism and Radicalism in Washington, D.C., 1900 to 2000. So save the date. This is On the Ground, onthegroundshow.org, Voices of Resistance from the Nation's Capital. We're on two dozen stations on the Pacifica Radio Network and on all your podcast platforms at On the Ground with Esther Averum. Our website and archive of all of our shows is onthegroundshow.org. In addition, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and I also link to every show on my Instagram page at Esther underscore Averum. Special thank you to our supporters on Patreon.com at On The Ground Show. The music we played this hour included Coconut Woman, Jump The Line, and Deo, the Banana Boat Song by Harry Belafonte. And our theme music for the show is Voodoo Child by Jimi Hendrix. I'm Esther Ivarum. Until next time, take good care. Be like Harry and keep raising your voice. Peace. If you've done well and you want to do good, support On The Ground at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. That's patreon.com forward slash On The Ground Show. All donations to the show are fully tax deductible. You can become a member where you pay monthly or you can give all at once on Patreon. You can also go to our website, onthegroundshow.org and give on PayPal and see other ways to give. We need your support and, so, and appreciate your support. We are totally listener sponsored. We have no sponsors at all uh, except for our listeners. Thank you.